The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. And by Vistar Credit Union, with locations across Gator Country. Visit ViStarCU.org. And the Humidor, going the distance for fine cigars. This is Dooley Noted, everything Florida Gators, with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome to another edition of the Dooley Noted podcast. I uh, hope you guys had a great New Year's. And um, wait a minute, did we do one since the New Year? Yeah, we did. So I hope you have, I hope, I still hope you had a great New Year's. We are um, going to have Barrett Salee from CBS Sports on the show talk a little bit about the big game on Monday. Yeah, there, there's a game Monday, believe it or not. Uh, boy, it's going to be a rough one to stay up for, but I got to. I got to. What kind of English is that, Pat? I have to. I have to stay up because I have to put my send my ballot in right after the game uh, for the AP. And, and you got – look, you can make an argument all season long that all the effort that I put in and the other 61 voters, I think it is – put in is is meaningless because there's a committee that decides who's in the playoff and who plays in what bowls and you're probably a little bit right I mean I think it's still cool to have uh voting but this is a big one this is a and it, we aren't deciding the national champ but we're deciding where you can say hey we finished number x we were a top x team we finished in the top 10 for Florida, again, I, we talked about this a lot last week. I've got them. I've, now, I've already done my poll three through 25. It's ready to go because I obviously don't want to be trying to figure it out two in the morning when it's due in. Um, so all I'm going to do is either LSU or Clemson will be one or two. Uh, but it is an important poll because Florida, I think it would be great for them. They're not going to finish at, a, at a good Georgia which they were hoping to do if Georgia lost. But that what they're hoping is, you know, to be six or seven. I think, as we talked about last week, it's either them or Oregon for six. And, um, you know, I think Florida, to be able to say that two years in a row, top 17, is going to be a big factor. The only school in the country, top 10 in, in football, top 10 in recruiting, top 10 and as an elite, as a um, – Public university. Pretty pretty good stuff. All right. Now, you probably think, well, Pat's going to go shift over and start talking a lot of basketball. And I'm going to. I've got a lot to talk about basketball-wise. But we're going to stay with football today because – and we'll probably talk football next week because we'll be talking about the championship game. But we're going to stay with football because of all the stuff that's going on still in the coaching carousel – which never seems to end. It's dun, 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 dun. it's unbelievable. Uh, the firing of Joe Moorhead kind of blew people away. I by the time you are listening to this, you'll know whether and it's, you may see as in, insignificant that Rocky Long. There's a press conference at two. I'm recording this at one thirty, one twenty. So it's possible it will happen just about as soon as I get done with this, but they have a press conference at two. And, uh, I don't know if that's two Eastern or, or two mountain West or whatever to, uh, Pacific, um, it's San Diego state. And the word is, is that he is going to take a power five D coordinators job. My guess would be USC. I know that USC, uh, obviously they, they fired their D coordinator. They've been talking to a lot of people, and Charlie Strong being among them, uh, I, I I think that there is at least some movement at Michigan. Don Brown's been there forever, but they struggled defensively, and they may be able to rate, ready to make a move. Sources have told me, whatever. So again, you could have an opening there, and there's a chance Brady Hoke is just going to be elevated into that job. We'll see, but. But the big one, of course, was the Joe Moorhead firing at, at Mississippi State, which opened up another SEC job. And, of course, it affects us because 
uh, Todd Grantham as a candidate for the job. My gut is, and we'll talk to Barrett about this, but my gut is it's not going to go to Grantham. And I know that for a lot of Florida fans are going to be disappointed with that. Third and Grantham and all that. Georgia game is a taste they cannot get out of their mouths. That Georgia game, when they got every third down, it just it's something you've not forgiven him for. Um, and, of course, LSU couldn't stop him. Um, Virginia couldn't stop them. You know, they missed a bunch of assignments. But that was the thing. They, missed, they seemed to miss assignments at times. How many times do we see guys running wide open, wide open, and, and either like Tennessee missed a guy um, that was wide open, would have been a touchdown, 80-yard touchdown. Uh, FSU did. Auburn hit the guy, but he had to dive to catch it so it, he didn't score on the play. And I think Florida stopped him after that, right? Was that where the Steiner pick in the end zone, I believe? It's been, a, it's been a long time since that game was played. It feels like 10 years ago. But the bottom line is um, not everybody sold on, on Todd Grantham, even though he's got the seventh-ranked defense in the country. Um, I think he does a really good job. I think, again, that roster we've talked about a lot was hurt by, um, by injuries and defections and people going in the transfer portal, all that. But I think he did a really good job this year. Uh, just not good enough to win. If they were a little better on defense in those two games, they might have been playing in the playoffs. They weren't that far away, and that's uh, that's wild and crazy. Because you know, I didn't see this as being a playoff team, and now that the season is basically over, uh, now you look back and go, they weren't that far away. So uh, we'll see what happens if Todd Grantham leaves. It's bad news. But it could be good news. And I'll explain why when we return here on the duly noted podcast at Gatorsports.com. At ViStar, we believe in better, especially in helping build a better financial future for our members. So we've reviewed our offerings from the ground up. We've lowered or eliminated over half our fees and enhanced our already competitive rates. Saving members more than a million dollars this year, in addition to the millions we save them every year. If you believe that saving money is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Tailgates and Gator Winds call for the best cigars available from around the world. Pick your sticks today and save at the Florida family-owned site, thehumidor.com. Get free shipping on every cigar order. Find boxes from the biggest brands, samplers hand-selected by top tobacconists, or pick your own single sticks. Thehumidor.com, going the distance for fine cigars. Okay, the good news, bad news on Todd Grantham. And again, as as you are listening to this, Mississippi State might have made a hire that's not Todd Grantham. I think the fact that um, there's no question uh, Sarkeesian is interested, uh, Skip Holtz is interested, and uh, but if they they could still end up with Grantham, we'll see what happens there. You know, the guy that wanted they wanted to get there was two guys they wanted to get Billy Napier from Louisiana. They they really coveted him. The word I get on him is he did not if he's going to go to a to the SEC. He'd like to go to the SEC. He's going to go where he feels like he can win right away. And and look, Dan Mullen did it unbelievable. I think as time passes. People are going to look back at the Dan Mullen era at Mississippi State as the golden era in Bulldog football because what they were able to accomplish there was amazing as hard as it, as it is to recruit to Starkville. Now, the word I get on Napier is that he's if he's going to the SEC, he's going to wait for a better job. He's going to wait for a – or he could just – now, there's a lot of talk. In fact, somebody I talked to last night who – is a coach, um, college football coach, and and is is plugged in. Told me he thinks Billy Napier thinks he can get the job at Baylor. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Baylor because of course they have an opening as well. Uh, the other guy they wanted to get was Joe Judge. Uh, 
who played at Mississippi State. He went elsewhere, as we know, to the NFL, which is crazy. But we'll when we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, so Napier may be waiting for a better job. Whatever, those guys are out of it, and so it it comes down to other, you know, whether it's Grantham, whether it's Sarkeesian, whether it's Holtz, whether it's somebody else. They're they're kind of all over the map on it. Uh, but here's the good news, bad news. The the good news or the bad news is not only would you be losing Grantham, and look, I think it would be a loss for Florida. There's no question about it in my mind. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna have a, a young, fairly young defense, but talented, very talented defense, and they're gonna be learning new verbiage, new everything, you know. Um, but the worst news would be that if he took, say, Brian Johnson and Christian Robinson with him, which he very well could, and give them the coordinators' jobs at his new school. And that would be a loss recruiting-wise, would be a loss coaching-wise. Kyle Trask has talked at length about how much Brian Johnson has meant to him. You know, Christian Robinson's done a great job with the linebackers. Uh, Dan Mullen has talked about Brian Johnson, you know, let's go for this play. This, you know, I mean, look, Dan Mullen's the offensive coordinator, but Brian Johnson has a is a big part of it. And, again, they've been together for so long, whether it's, you know, to have Hevesy – and Billy Gonzalez and Brian Johnson on the together, that the continuity is a is a plus. And look, I will say this: if you had asked me in August what I thought, not about this year's team, not about the nineteen team, it's actually not this year's; it was last year's two thousand nineteen team, but the two thousand twenty team, I would have said I think Florida takes a step backwards. I don't I don't like where the roster is. Things have changed. Guys have not gone out that I thought would go out. As we sit here today, it's only C.J. Henderson. Uh, we'll see what happens going in the future. They've done a great job recruiting. Not as good as, I know, not as good as everybody wants. You should have the number one recruiting class every year at Florida and never lose a game. And and you don't, you don't grow old, you don't ever die. I get it. I get that's the way some people feel. But. Doesn't work that way, they, but they've got a great class. There's no question about it. Number seven right now, and we'll wait and see what happens. Already the transfers coming in have helped. Uh, they they kind of cut a guy loose. I don't know if they cut – you know, I, I don't know if they ever really cut a guy loose, but they may say, hey, you know, we told you you had to get your grades up. You didn't get them up, so we can't offer you anymore. Um, and so they've got another spot. There's three spots right now that Florida can fill. Now, that could change based on guys getting in the portal, um, but we'll see. We'll talk about that as, as well in a minute. Um, but the bottom line is that's the bad news. The good news, at least for me and I think for a lot of Gator fans, is Charlie Strong is interested in the job. Charlie Strong has a lot of interest in him. He's already been contacted by – Several NFL teams, several college teams. You know, a lot of his preliminary stuff. Nobody's offered him a job necessarily, but he is waiting to see what happens with Grantham. Because if Grantham leaves, you know, he feels pretty comfortable. Obviously, he loves Gainesville. His wife loves Gainesville. And uh, they would love to come back here if that was the case. Um, and I think Dan Mullen would hire him, getting the, the band back together. So we'll see where that goes. Right now, though, I would tell you, my gut is it ain't going to be Grantham. We'll see. Every, nothing, everything changes, then changes again. The reason Joe Moorhead was fired, and it's 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 really a, a strange deal because it kind of caught me by surprise only because I thought he was safe even though I don't know that I – first of all, I didn't think it was a great hire. Some people thought it was a really innovative great hire. It was like going to get another Dan Mullen, an offensive guy. And everybody keeps saying it wasn't a good fit because he's from the north. Uh, so was Dan Mullen. <laughs> you know, don't forget, he was from the north as well. But that was – but Dan at least spent time – a lot of time at Florida. Uh, so he knew the SEC a little bit better. 
But in the case of Moorhead, maybe it didn't fit culturally. I don't know. But the problem they had was, first of all, they weren't good. They were terrible this year. They had a bad bowl game. They shouldn't have won the Egg Bowl if a guy doesn't pee or pretend to pee. Um, and they were having discipline problems. They had a tutor issue where they had some guys suspended. And then they had um, – guys missing practices at the bowl game. They had a fight at the bowl game and lost their quarterback. One of their quarterbacks was not able to play because he got hurt so bad in the fight. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on there. But again, they lost. Now, now he had a winning record. He was, he was what, 14-12. and 12. It's not overwhelming. I think Dan left him a lot better talent than that. Uh, when you when you look at the players he had and the, the guys on defense especially, and Fitzgerald seemed to get regressed terribly after um, he came in. So I get it. And then there was this, the Lane Kiffin factor. Lane Kiffin comes in. Ole Miss is excited. They're fired up. We're going to throw a ball, the ball all over the field, man. This is going to be the greatest thing. I can't wait to get to the groove. Let, let's get Lane on Paul Feinbaum's show. Let's get Lane on – College football today, this let's everybody wants to interview Lane. Nobody wants to interview Joe Moorhead. They want to interview Lane Kiffin. He was the hot item. He was uh, you know, with a bullet. And and Mississippi State's sitting there and they're watching that and they're like, um, we yeah, we can't we can't stay with our guy. We gotta get another guy. Now, you go get Todd Grantham, I don't know how much that sells. All right, we're bringing in a defensive guy to counteract Lane Kiffin's fiery offense. Maybe it does. We'll see what ends up happening there. But it certainly has been interesting. All right, I got a lot more football to talk about, a lot. But I want to go to basketball because, of course, last night, Tuesday night, unless if you're listening Thursday, it was Tuesday night, uh, Florida got another – Big win, good win. I mean, I know South Carolina is nothing great, nothing special. But South Carolina did beat Virginia. Um, Florida took care of business. It was a tough win for the Gators because they they did a lot of things where you just went, come on, guys. How can you miss that layup? How can you turn it over 10 times in the first half? All that. But that's college basketball. And that's all basketball. Everybody turns the ball over sometimes. Everybody misses shots sometimes. This team seems to be under this incredible scrutiny from his fan base. And not just fans. I hear it from people uh, all the time. People who either went to school here and maybe aren't fan fans, but they're interested in Florida basketball. In fact, I will tell you, um, Ed Ashoff, the last text I got from him was he was very upset with the way they played against Butler. Um, and so I, I was I was talking to some other people about different things. Anyway, my point being that this team has been under a lot of scrutiny because they were ranked so high in the preseason. It was a paper ranking. They were ranked six. I think, I think uh, Mike, after the Alabama game, hit it right on the head. This team's still unsure of itself, but they feel like they're getting a little more sure. They're still going to have games where they you sit there and go, how can a team with all this talent be this bad? It's going to happen. If you haven't been paying attention to college basketball, and I know a lot of you haven't because it's kind of still football season. It is football season. I know we have a championship game Monday, but the playoffs. Playoffs? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's when I think I'll even even people who don't do fantasy football and don't know that much about the NFL, they're going to watch the playoffs. You know, my wife's right there. She's, she's one of those people. You want to watch the playoffs because it's cool. I think, I think this weekend is one of my favorite weekends in sports when you have playoff games and they're not the wild card team. So these are the four, you know, uh, well, eight best teams – in the NFL playing each other uh, to advance to the um, conference finals. And I'm excited. And then you go right into the championship game Monday night. So this is a, a great weekend anyway. So you haven't been paying that much attention to, to college basketball. It's been wild. It's been crazy. There's been five different number ones. It stayed the, uh, actually this was this week. 
somebody was I, I think I heard a, uh, one of the announcers saying, you know, the top three didn't change for the first time, you know, blah, blah, blah. I go, yeah, because I don't think anybody played. I think everybody was in exam weeks or off weeks or whatever. Hardly anybody played. But here we are at Florida's at 10 and 4. It's all laid out there in front of them, okay? I, I think we talked about this last year, how, look, you want to go to the tournament? Here's what you got to do. What you've done so far has been acceptable in terms of getting you into the tournament. You're in the tournament right now. If the tournament was decided today, you'd be in. I see. I, I saw Lenardi has him, and again, I know it doesn't matter, but we still pay attention. Here's the thing about the, the Joe Lenardi way too early rankings or way too early bracketology is while we know that anything, everything can change 100 times, we still look. We look, hey, Florida's nine. Yeah, they were 10 last week, so that's better. Um, but this team would be in the tournament right now and getting wins like the one last night, while they don't do a ton for your RPI, you want a road game. You want to get a team that beat Virginia? Yeah. By osmosis, you can claim a win over Virginia, right? Um, but you didn't lose. That's the main thing. So you got to keep – and the thing is, this team doesn't have bad losses. You know, Utah State was not a bad loss. Butler is right now considered a one seed. Um, FSU is is uh, in the top ten now. Uh, what was the other – UConn. UConn was the other one. They're, they're, I don't I, – I actually should have looked at UConn. I didn't check UConn where they're ranked. But th- that's not a bad loss either. And you've got – that Xavier win is, is a huge win. As we sit here today, even the Miami win is a quad one win because it was a neutral site and Miami's up in the, well, they may have fallen back down a little bit, but it could end up being a good win. But you've got an opportunity with what's left out there because on the next two weekends, not this weekend, this weekend you go to Missouri, that's a taking care of business game. Okay. Missouri's not great, good enough to beat Florida. I think. Most teams, uh, there, there's not too many teams in this conference that aren't good enough to beat Florida or not good enough to beat anybody. But if Florida is figuring it out, for example, like Kentucky's figuring it out, if they're figuring it out, this team could still end up with a really special year and they could get up to a four seed, which is what they want to stay in the state of Florida in a perfect world. Uh, I think it's Tampa. It's Tampa this year, right? Not Orlando. Uh, where where one of the is one of the sites. So now that that's a lot of work to do before we get to that point. You've got to you've got to win the games you're supposed to win. You know, for example, Ole Miss is Tuesday of next week, right? You know, the schedule right in front of you. I'm pretty sure it's Ole Miss Tuesday, then Auburn on Saturday. Huge game. The following Saturday, Baylor here. Huge game. I think those teams are ranked fourth and fifth in the country. So you got a chance to, to make some noise. And down the road, there are other games, you know, obviously Kentucky twice, LSU. I mean, you're going to have an opportunity to, to get big wins. You need to avoid bad losses and, and pick off a few of those wins. If, if you do something really special, there's no telling where you're going to finish. So, like I said, it's right there in front of Florida to do the job they, they need to do. Um, but we saw what we saw last night was with, with no Kerry Blackshear in the first half because of in, of uh, foul trouble, they still had the lead. And then, you know, he played a little bit better in the second half, stayed out of foul trouble. I don't know why he gets into foul trouble. This is something that was not part of his uh, game at, at Virginia Tech. For some reason, it has become here. But they've got other guys to – to be able to, you know, like I thought Omar Payne played his heart out. I think Omar Payne one day is going to be a really good player for Florida. I don't know that it's going to be this year, but he's he's functional. He does some good things. Offensively, he's not really talented, but I think that'll come. You know, I think Dante Bassett is doing enough to help. So you got those three guys you can put in there. So if, the, if, if Blackshear's out, it doesn't kill you. And then Nemhard has really come on big. 
uh, the last two games, obviously, 25 and 21. He had 10 assists last night. Um, you know, you, you kind of see when Florida plays fast, what do you see? They usually turn it over. That's why they don't play fast. And they didn't play fast last night. But you know what they did? They scored 80 points. They're making shots. It's all It's all it is. I, Heath Klein had me on his radio show. He goes, you know, how does Florida win and how does Florida lose a game uh, against South Carolina? How do they do that? What do you, you know, give me your thoughts. And I go, well, if they make shots, they win. If they don't make shots, they lose. It's just that simple with Florida. If they shoot well, they're hard to beat. If they don't shoot well, they're not that hard to beat. I mean, they, they're doing a lot of the little things. They're playing tough defense for the most part. I mean, I thought South Carolina made some ridiculous shots in the first half, as did Alabama. Of course, that game feels like a, a long time ago. It was just Saturday. Uh, was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Florida down 21, comes back and wins in double overtime. And if you weren't there, and I don't – look, I'm not ever going to tell anybody, I can't believe you weren't at that game. I understand. People have lives outside of sports. Uh, people have things to do. People have are not always living. Most of you, I think a majority of you who listen to this, don't live here, don't live in Gainesville. But if you were there, how great was that? If you weren't there, man, I'm, I'm, I feel for you. you. You you missed out. It was great. It was one of those experiences you don't get that often in sports. I've seen Florida come back and win games. I've seen Florida win games on last-second shots. Um, one of the greatest of all time, of course, was the um, – Anthony Roberson shot, the Chandler Parsons shot at the buzzer. Those were unbelievable games. I saw the seniors walk off undefeated uh, that uh, th- that 2014 season. I mean, I've seen some great things there, but that game's right up there with them. That it's right there. That that steal and and layup by Noah Locke, something that you snapshot. You you keep that in your mind forever. All right, tell you what we should do. We should take a break. And uh, I got more basketball to talk about, but a lot of football as well. And I was told uh, yesterday not to apologize for going long, so I won't. (laughs) But uh, it's funny because I had a guy come and detail my daughter's car. That was one of her Christmas presents. And the whole time he was listening to the podcast. Cool, man. Uh, Got Again, got a lot of people. You know, it's funny when people come up to me and they go, hey, you're always saying you like it when people come up and say they like the podcast. Well, I'm doing that right now. I'm like, great. That's exactly what I want. I appreciate it. It really means a lot to me. So we'll take a break and we'll bring on Barrett Salee. We'll talk a little football with him. So we're going football, basketball, football, and then both. I don't think we're going to talk about any other sports. Football and basketball. Right now, though, we are going to take a break. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or visit Zaxby's.com. Okay, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. It's a great pleasure to be joined by Barrett Salee, who, of course, writes college football stuff for CBS Sports, and you hear him a lot on Sirius Radio, if you're like me. I listen to a a lot of Sirius Radio, and I I hear Barrett all the time. Um, Appreciate you coming on, Barrett. You know, I heard a rumor today that there's going to be a college football game still. I did not – I thought the season was over because we'd gone so long without a game, but rumor has it they're going to play a game Monday night. I hear that. Uh, it's going to be a pseudo home game for LSU. And yeah, I mean, it's the calendar worked out in, in a strange way this year. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't like the Monday night um, national championship games, but I mean, that's, that's what you have to do if you're trying to get away from the NFL, but still maintain an audience and hold an audience, uh, especially with football, because uh, people are sort of still programmed to watch uh, Monday night football. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I get it. Um, the, I, I just wish, I mean, it had been a lot easier if the sugar and the Rose bowl, uh, didn't have their locked in TV contracts and then we could have semifinals on new year's day. And then the layoff wouldn't feel as long as it, as it feels right now. Yeah. You know, I could even see if you played Saturday night because, or, or Sunday night, but, uh, there, there's a lot of ways to screw it up. And I, I feel like they did a little bit this year, just because you could have played, why why not Jan six? Why couldn't you have played the game on January six? That much. Well, I think the I think the idea is um, to to get you know to to give teams more time, but then also get away from the NFL and build up some more 
uh, hype, but there is no hype. That's the and and you know for us there is. I mean we're going to pay attention because we're college football guys. But right. uh, for the casual fan, you know whether it's this week or last week, they're focusing on the NFL playoffs, um, and so you're going to run into that problem whichever. So I, I don't see why it wasn't uh, why they couldn't have done it January sixth either. But it is what it is. It's yeah. not like. Uh, College football power brokers generally make good decisions anyway. So, <laughs> like, like the New Year's Eve playoff game, that was another yeah, exactly. Brilliant decision. Well, that's the thing. Bill Hancock was saying you know, there's a great buzz for this game. Of course, the game's in New Orleans. LSU's in it. Of course, there's yeah. great buzz. They're playing the defending national champs. You can't screw it up, and you've tried to, but you you cannot screw it up. Let me ask you this, Obert. I mean, I'm convinced. LSU is going to roll and I, I'm convinced because I think eventually they'll wear down uh, Clemson with that offense because they just keep scoring and you can't keep up with them uh, am, am I crazy to think that? I don't think you're crazy to think that. I do think you're wrong uh, but I don't think you're crazy um, you might think that I'm crazy which <laughs> a lot of people do. It's totally fine um, No, I, I think it's going to be a, um, a little different I think Clemson uh, from a scheme standpoint, defensively, you give Brent Venables two-plus weeks, the calendar plays into Clemson. I firmly believe that. You give Brent Venables two-plus weeks, if anybody is going to slow down LSU, it's going to be Clemson, it's going to be Brent Venables, and it's going to be with this time frame and this calendar. So um, I think that the offensive line for LSU has gotten better throughout the course of the year. Obviously, they won the Joe Moore Award. They weren't always that good. Damian Lewis is still banged up. And uh, the, the way that, uh, that Clemson brings pressure in a variety of different ways, you never see the same front twice, um, just makes me think that, that they're going to have a little bit more success than maybe uh, folks realize. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be a fun game. I, I think it's going to be back and forth. Um, and I, I do think that, that, uh, that Clemson's defense can um, not necessarily replicate what Auburn did to LSU uh, because they do look different, but – have comparable to, to, comparable success and uh, still stay in the game. You know, it's funny. We've had a lot of coaching changes, and now there's a, an opening right now, and apparently there may be one later this afternoon uh, to San Diego State. But um, with uh, and nobody, nobody even brings up Brent Venables anymore. They just know he's never leaving. And of course, his son just signed with Clemson, so he's certainly not going to leave now. Uh, why is it? Why do you think he's? And I think it's a big part of why they've been so successful is they've been able to keep him around. Yeah, they have. I think it's a big reason, too. I think that um, I think maybe early on uh, he was kind of in that mode of waiting for the right job, uh, which a lot of high-profile coordinators have been in. That's that's what Will Muschamp did, um, you know, when he was at Texas before he got the job down there. Um, I think he was kind of in that same mode, but then I think quickly realized that the way that, um, you know, coordinator salaries were, were going, that – he didn't necessarily have to go be a head coach to cash in. And, you know, if you're a head coach and he saw firsthand with Dabo, you have a lot of other things to do other than X's and O's. And that's what he likes best. So I think right now he's perfectly content just, you know, being that coordinator, being that highly paid coordinator that just draws up ball plays. And, you know, if a, if a massive program comes along and just backs up a Brinks truck to his house and throws money at him, I'm sure he would consider it, but I don't think he's in the in the mindset of just jumping for the sake of jumping because he understands how how good he's got it right now. You know, it's going to be interesting. SEC Media Days, Lane Kiffin will be there. Obviously, we don't have no idea who the Mississippi State coach is going to be, um, but also uh, I think a lot of people are still going to come back and go Bama Georgia again because with all the it, it, I know Bama lost two and lost a lot of guys, but with you would assume, uh, you know, you lose you lose um, at LSU, you lose Joe Burrow, you lose a lot of that junior class. We we still don't know how of those guys are going to leave, but Georgia and Alabama actually return more guys than I thought they would, and I still think that it's going to be it's a it's a hurdle for both uh, for everybody in both those conferences or divisions. Yeah, I think so too. Um, you know, Bama. I think you know one of the biggest blessings in disguise might have been to his injury, just because it did give Mac Jones legit playing time right. you know and mac jones was good um you know the two pick sixes against auburn weren't but every other pass in that game was pretty much i mean he played pretty well that day except for those two passes so 
um, you know, uh, that will help obviously bridge the gap or solidify him as a starter uh, to whoever is the full-time starter next year. Um, you know, Georgia getting a bunch of defensive guys back still. The offensive line's a concern, obviously, three, three guys declaring right. early, and then Ben Cleveland, um, you know, right now his – his uh, eligibility is still sort of up in the air. But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be those two as well. Um, you know, LSU, it, they, they've definitely changed the culture, and they've, the philosophy obviously has been a big part of that. You still need that trigger man. And is, is Miles Brennan that guy? I, you know, I don't know. Um, we didn't think Joe Burrow was that guy coming into this year. So, um, you know, maybe, but – uh, is it okay to etch that into stone right now? I, I don't. I don't think so. So yeah, I mean, I think Bama and Georgia still might be um, the two favorites, um, even though LSU has done what it's done. But I don't think the days of just writing LSU off as an offensive dinosaur uh, dinosaur will ever be back because they've clearly made that transition. Right. Uh, it seems like Mississippi State has has at least had a name. Uh, uh, like 19 names attached to their program that, that could be coming, and they're all over the map, it seems like. We're coordinators, older guys, younger guys. Uh, what do you think they're going to end up settling for? I think the Sarkeesian stuff is real um, just because, I, you know, he's a good coach. I think they recognize that maybe his issues um, were in the past uh, and he's fixed them, and, and now is the time for him to get a second shot. Very good recruiter. Uh, instrumental in Bryce Young getting to um, getting to Tuscaloosa, um, you know. So all those things considered, I think he probably will be the guy. Um, if he doesn't, then I don't know. Uh, if he's not, then I mean, I, look, I'd hire Jeff Munkin if I'm them because you know yeah. he's not necessarily married married to the triple option, but he will run the triple option. Obviously, has done it successful at Army, and and if you're Mississippi State, just um, you know, being different is a good idea. And, and, you know, having just a little bit, little bit uh, of success, having, you know, a, a program that at the end of the year more times than not you look at and say, okay, that's just fine. Um, that's, that's kind of where Mississippi State should be. Their fan base doesn't recognize that, and their administration doesn't recognize that. And I think that's kind of why they, uh, they're in the situation they are right now. I couldn't let you go without talking a little bit about Florida and uh, the job Dan Mullen's down, done down here. I was – a column I'm working on for Sunday – Dan Mullins won 21 games. Jim McElwain won 19 and would have won 20 if they'd had a hurricane game that wasn't rained out. So, And right. McElwain won two SECs. Uh, Dan hasn't won any yet. And yet it feels so different with what's what's happened the last two years than it did the two years uh, that when McElwain before he got fired. Um, but just can you what, – what are your observations about what he's been able to do, Dan Mullen – um, as, as a coach and as a recruiter and as, as he's been able to unite this fan base? I, it, to me, um, Mullen and McElwain's first two years, um, you're right, from a field standpoint, are different because I think um, Dan, it feels more solid. Uh, but in terms of, of output, um, you know, they kind of are the same. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Florida was flawed for the first two years of the McElwain era but still went to Atlanta. Florida was flawed during the first two years of the Dan Mullen era. Uh, they didn't go to Atlanta, but that's because Georgia's Georgia now. You yes, know, that's they the weren't difference. Georgia then. Yeah, Exactly, and so that's the difference. And so, um, you know, and, and I think this, from a stability standpoint, it certainly feels like they're more stable and, and going in the right direction, as opposed to when, when McIlwain led them to Atlanta, it just kind of felt like they were just there, like physically there. And, mm. and Florida doesn't have that feel now. So uh, definitely feels more stable, but – um, in, in terms of comparing the two the two uh, coaches, their first two seasons, I think they're they're basically they, they look very similar. Just the fact that the landscape in the division shifted a little bit with Georgia doing what what Georgia has done. Absolutely, he is Barrett Salee. You can read him at cbssports.com and also listen to him at Sirius. Uh, I'm a big fan of of his uh, radio, and we appreciate him coming on. We'll be back with more on the Duly Noted podcast right after we take this break. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or visit Zaxby's.com. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. Appreciate everybody. Appreciate Barrett for coming on the show. Um, and actually, just to give you a, a little insight into the way this thing works, we had recorded this whole part of the tele or podcast 
But as I walked out, my boss told me that Jake Fromm has made a decision and he is leaving the University of Georgia. So I didn't feel like all that talk about I had, how I didn't think Jake Fromm was going to leave was was good for our podcast. So we're, we're re-recording because we're always on the cutting edge. You know us. All right. So here's the deal. Jake Fromm leaving, I'm a little surprised uh, because of the quarterback talent that's out there. It could be didn't want to play behind that offensive line that's losing a lot of players. It could be that he just feels like he's done everything he can do. Went out with a win in the uh, Cotton Bowl. I, I, you know, I, I think I'm not blown away that he's leaving, but certainly this changes everything to me. This goes from well, we're still going to pick Georgia to win the. East, even though they lost a lot on their offensive line, even though their wide receiver depth wasn't great this year, even though uh, you know they got destroyed by LSU, we still think they're a little bit better in Florida too. I think we're going to split the votes. I mean, I think half the people are going to say I'm I'm going with Florida. Now, a lot can happen between now and then, as we know. Hopefully, nothing ever happens like it did in 2017 when you lost ten of your players including some of your best players in the credit card fraud scandal for the year Um, but there's things that can happen injuries um, transfer portal stuff and all that but and we'll see how Florida is affected by it it giveth and it taketh away so we'll see how Florida is affected by the transfer portal but um, certainly with Jake Fromm gone now uh, Kyle Trask is the best quarterback in the SEC coming back you know, no Joe Burrow, no Tua. Uh, Mac Jones is certainly going to be good. Bo Nix is a guy who in the second year should be better than his first. His first year was was erratic, as we all know. Wasn't good here. Was good to some games. Um, who else would you even put in there? It's Kyle Trask. Is, is going to be, the I would say, the preseason all-SEC quarterback. I don't think there's much question about it. Um, so... With that in mind, when's the last time Florida's had that? Well, we all know it was it was uh, Tim Tebow, and and the controversy that that stirred up when Steve Spurrier didn't vote for him. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> it was a good one though. Um, so you're sitting here with a, a different situation than you were, I don't know, two hours ago, my time where now Georgia's got to figure out what they're going to do a quarterback. It's going to be a challenge for them and Florida knows exactly what they're going to do a quarterback. They're going to they've got a quarterback they know is is battle-tested, has put up unbelievable numbers, has had great games, has never seems to be phased, and you're going to throw Emory Jones in there a little bit more and make and and do a lot of different things with him and now all of a sudden you look at Florida with an offensive line coming back. Wasn't great this year, but it should be better next year. They lose a lot of receivers, but they have a lot of receivers. Some guys, uh, we'll see how they, which ones step up. Running back is still going to be a concern, but I, I, in defense, they lose a little bit. But you know, Marco Wilson coming. I tell you what, I think a lot of people are going to pick Florida to win the East. Now, I don't think it, I don't think very many people would have picked Florida, and I'm talking about it, SEC media days. And magazines make their picks based on who you know, selling how many they can sell. But the point being, um, it, it, it does change things. It, it changes. The, the news of the last week or so, 10 days or so, has certainly been good for Florida. Now, it's been good in a way for Georgia with some of the defensive players they have coming back. This is going to be a great defense again next year. You know, Monty Rice is the uh, latest, excuse me, to uh, decide to come back. Uh, LeCount, who I think is a really good player, coming back. Uh, Stokes is coming back. So defensively, Georgia is going to be really good again. But now offensively, it's going to be interesting. That's the best way to put it. It's going to be really interesting. Um, And you're going to see a lot of people jump on that Florida bandwagon. And unfortunately, which I don't like, I hope nobody picks Florida to go to the playoff, playoff, but they probably will. Some some people will because they're going to look at him. Well, Georgia's not in their way anymore. Georgia's still in Florida's way. They still have great players. I talked about this last week. The reason they beat Baylor with all those guys out that they had out – 
was because they still had better players than, than Baylor. Right now, it feels like the talent gap really got tighter. A year ago, it didn't because they were still the, – the number of five stars was still ridiculous that Georgia had and Florida had none. Now Florida's got some, whether you believe – that Lingard, uh, the transfer from Miami, is a true five-star anymore with his injuries. Whether you believe Brenton Cox is, he was a five-star. I think Irvin Dexter is, whether they give it to him or not. I think Derek Wingo is, whether they give it to him. They've got those kind of players now. I just feel like the talent gap has shrunk from maybe it was a nine versus a seven to maybe an eight and a half versus an eight. Maybe. And and I still would say Alabama still got the best talent and, and LSU. They're probably both nine and a halves. Um, but LSU is going to lose a lot. Uh, I'm, again, I think it's really going to be interesting to see what LSU loses from that junior class. That is a great junior class of football players. And do they lose a lot? And you're not going to find that out till after Monday. Um, so Alabama does have did get good and bad news, which is what – yeah, I, I think in when you have a, a lot of great juniors, and Alabama had an incredible junior class as well, but when you have a lot of great juniors, what you're hoping for is a mix. You're not going to keep them all. Some guys don't want to be there anymore. They're, they, I can, I, I can kind of see it in their heads sometimes when they're going, do I want to, on January 6th, show up and run wind sprints for my college coach, or do I want to wait for the draft and maybe work out on my own and have and, and be able to take money from an agent and help help my my family out and stuff like that and yeah do I want to go to school anymore or not all that stuff plays into it but what you hope for is that some guys come back and even if some guys don't and that's what Alabama got you know Devonte Smith well I was stunned that he came back Henry Ruggs didn't um Obviously, they lose Tua. They lost some guys. They lost, They kept Leatherwood, but lost uh, another offensive lineman who's really good. Again, name escapes me sometimes. But it is going to be it, – It's. I will just say this. Things really got better for Florida in the last two weeks. If you want to go all the way back to winning the game, walking off the field with a win. You may not like the way they played at times, but walking off the field with a win – to getting Henderson, to getting Lingard, to getting seeing Jake Fromm go by, to having Marco Wilson come back. Feels like a, a I don't want to say it's a seismic shift by any means, but there's a shift. I I think there is. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh I did want to point out, or not point out, but congratulate Phil Troutwine, who is um Got the job at Penn State as an offensive line coach. Great guy. Uh, went to dinner with him and, and uh, Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer one night or one day at SEC Media Days. And uh, he he ate more per- than I, any person I've ever seen. And I, I, I said that to a couple of Gator clubs and it got back to him. He wasn't real happy with me, but we made up and we've been good friends. He's lost a lot of weight too. Um, really proud of him. Because to, to, he really had to stick with it. In fact, that may be – I don't know if you're allowed to talk if you're an assistant at Penn State. I don't know if it's like some of these places where the assistants can't talk, but that would actually be a pretty good story I may pursue. Luke Del Rio to the Redskins on their staff. Of course, his dad's there, and that's, and that's fine. I got no problem with nepotism. No problem whatsoever with nepotism. If you can use it to your advantage, great. If it helps your son get a job, great. Good job. No problem. I hope, and I like Luke, so I hope he does well. Uh, Miami did hire Rhett Lashley to be their offensive coordinator. Not not overly impressed with that hire, um, but they they did it. I'm not really worried about Auburn right now. Auburn. Oh yeah, that's the funny thing when you like when when Ole Miss hires Lane Kiffin, you're not thinking, "Wow, that's a good hire." You're thinking, "Oh, Florida's got him on the schedule next year." So it, that game just got a little tougher. I think it did. I still, you know, like Florida in the game, but it game, that game got a little tougher than it would be if it was Matt Luke, okay? But when Mississippi State hires a coach, whoever it is, you're, not think, you're thinking, well, Florida's never going to play him, so what difference does it make? Or, I mean, look, I'm, I'm just speaking as, if you're a Gator fan. 
Or if um, Miami hires a guy, you're like, yeah, Florida's not playing them for a while. Well, they do have a home and home with them down the road. All right, so championship game Monday night. LSU's a six-point favorite. Uh, over under 69 and a half. Eh, I don't like either one of those. If if the if the spread was bigger, which I thought it might be, I might go Clemson. I think Clemson's going to keep the game close for a while. I I still think LSU at the, in the end is just going to you. They get you into that you got to hold serve mentality, where they score and then you get a couple first downs, but then you have to punt and then they score again. And now you're like, oh, man. I'm talking about like late third quarter, and now all of a sudden it's 38 to 24, and you're like, oh, man. It's hard to play that team. I'm going back and forth on who I'm rooting for. Literally literally going back and forth. Because there's a part of me that that hadn't been able to get over the old LSU hurricane stuff, Okay. And you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, that that bitterness, I think, for Florida fans is not going to go away. Part There's a part of you that – and I'm just I'm, – I'm not talking about every one of you, but there's a part of a lot of you who are thinking, you know what? Uh, it'd be great if the SEC won another one. We can continue to uh, pound our chests and talk about how great we are, right? There's, there's that. But there's also I'm sick of LSU. I want them to lose and be disappointed. And and next year when they don't have Joe Burrow and some of these other guy players on their team, we'll see how good they are. And they got to come to the swamp. And you know I'd rather them be a little down. Okay, I get that too. Then there's the whole Dabo fatigue, which I have a lot of. Um, you know. I, I look. I, I don't know who I'm rooting for. I really don't. I keep going back and forth, and really, in the end, as we all know, it doesn't matter who I'm rooting for. Um, okay, we had these the NFL hirings. Joe Judge was a stunner. Uh, nobody really knew him. If you Google him, I think Judge Judy came up, but um, it may end up being a great hire. Matt Rule seems like an awful lot of money to pay a guy uh, who hasn't been, you know. I mean, he's been in the NFL, but he hasn't, you know, been an NFL head coach. $10 million if he gets his incentives. But uh, I it, I have no problem with a guy who goes and takes over a terrible situation at Baylor. Awful situation, right? And goes from one win to doing what he did in three years and cashes in on it. I got no problem with it. Uh, McCarthy to the Cowboys, that's who I thought they would hire. It's who I expected them to hire. I know people were worried about Dan Mullen, but that ended up not being a problem. Um, there there was interest. There was at least a phone call made at some point. That's all I can say, okay? So we had the NFL playoffs, which are fun. Like I said earlier, I think um, it, one of my favorite things is – the, the second weekend of the playoffs because now you're down to the eight teams that really have a chance. When The, f- the first round, the wild card, I, you know, you're like, hey, this will be fun. I'll watch the wild card games. And they were interesting. I mean, they're all close games and they were fun to watch. And, you know, obviously Tom Brady's demise was you, – you, you almost felt bad for him even if you don't like the Patriots because he's still the GOAT. I mean, he's still the GOAT. And I, I like Tom Brady actually for a lot of things – uh, I don't. I don't really care either way with New England. I, sometimes I've rooted for them. Sometimes I've rooted against them. I did last year, and certainly when they played uh, Dan Quinn's Atlanta team. But the way he went out, the way the Saints went out again, second year in a row, no call, pass interference. Come on, man! But the playoffs were fun. They were fun. Uh, but then, now they get really fun. Uh, spreads. Let me give you those. San Francisco seven points over Minnesota. I don't think I'd bet on it, but I would. Uh, I like San Francisco to win the game. Baltimore's nine over Tennessee. I would take Tennessee in the points. That's a lot of points. Kansas City nine and a half over Houston. I wouldn't take that. I think Tennessee can 
can keep the game close and and slow it, make it a longer game with with Derrick Henry running the ball. Uh, I just don't think Houston can match the offense. And Green Bay minus four over Seattle. I like Seattle to win this game. And as you know, I may be wrong. All right, it is time for three things. It's time for three things. All right, number one on three things. It seems like it's – I've noticed this in my old age. It seems like basketball coaches are allowed to criticize their players more than football coaches are in college. Like Mike White does it sometimes, and sometimes people get mad at him for doing it. Uh, But Roy Williams went took it to a new level when he said on radio, this is the least gifted team I've ever had, or at least I've I've had at North Carolina – I'm not saying he's wrong, and certainly with uh, their best player out, that's a big factor as well. But um, that's mean. That's like saying uh, they're fat little girlfriends, like Mike Leach did that one time. I mean, you're, you're really saying you got you don't have the talent I need to win. I don't know if he's going to get that team back after saying that. And they're on eight and six right now, not very good. But it does seem like in basketball. You can say, well, they, he blew it. I don't know what he was doing on that play. I, You know, if he just does what he's supposed to do, he went. In football, you're like, well, it's on me, you know. I got to do a better job coaching him. I mean, there are some coaches that criticize their players, but for the most part, even Nick Saban, does a, he brings the attention back to himself. Basketball, not so much. Uh, number two, just to show you a difference between the Pac-12 and the SEC, the SEC fired a coach who was 14 and 12 and beat his rival twice. Oregon State just gave an extension to six years to a guy who's 7-17. Seven and 17. Now, at Oregon State, winning seven games in two years, pretty darn good because they're terrible. It's, it's a program without much of a culture, and Jonathan Smith's done a good job. And you're all like, who's Jonathan Smith? <laughs> Which is what I thought earlier this year when I found out he was Oregon State's coach. And he's been there for a while. Two years. But it's uh, that just kind of shows you the difference. The SEC cut loose a SEC cut loose a guy with a 500 record. They cut loose a guy in his second year. They cut loose a coach with a winning record because he had a bad bowl game, and, and we talked about earlier the, the, the problems that they were having. Who's the other coach they cut loose? Now I, I'm blanking out on uh, who it was, but anyway, so they cut loose four guys this year. And uh, kind of surprising in some cases. Oh, they cut loose uh, Matt Luke because a guy, his guy peed in the end zone, right? It's different in this conference, man. All right, and finally, number three. I, I read this by Tom Fornelli at CBS Sports. He works with uh, Barrett Salee uh, about how this wasn't a great year for Bowles. And I started to think, I said, you know what? He's right. We had a better regular season this year than we did the year before. It was more fun during the regular season for everybody. I'm not talking about just the Gators, but it was a better regular season than it was last year. But the Bulls weren't great. They weren't, they weren't terrific. Maybe we'll get a great championship game. We did get a great one semifinal. The other one was a dog. Uh, but he did rank all the bowl games, and when as he was, I was going through them because he had it in reverse order, and I'm reading them like, yeah, whoa, that was bad. Ooh, oh, 14 nothing. I think that was his worst one. Was the <laughs> Miami's 14 nothing loss? I actually enjoyed that game. Uh, but anyway, number one was Kentucky's winner with Virginia Tech, Belk Bowl. I uh, don't disagree. Rose Bowl was two, and Tennessee's win in the Gator Bowl was three. Those were all really entertaining, fun-to-watch games, but there weren't a lot of them. Number 11 was Florida's win over Virginia in the Orange Bowl. It sounds about right. Might, might have it a little higher. Uh, that was actually a really entertaining game. So, I think that's it. I think now that we've re-recorded the second part to include Jake Fromm leaving, and now you know I'll walk out there and he'll tell me something else. My boss, who's does a great job. Arnold Feliciano, the best in the business. Thanks to uh, Matt and Joe for uh, setting me up today and getting all this done. And, of course, Facebook Live we had on at 2 o'clock today, roughly. If you uh, Every Wednesday we're going to do that, and the, and the podcasts are going to continue on Wednesdays throughout basketball season. Until next time, I'm Pat Dooley. I'm the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun saying I am deep, I am way back, and I am out of here. 
The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. And by Vistar Credit Union, with locations across Gator Country. Visit ViStarCU.org. And the Humidor, going the distance for fine cigars.